0: Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon.
1: Great. If you could turn with me to Judges chapter 20, Judges chapter 20, amen. We're going to ask God to help us in this place and we're going to believe God to minister to our hearts. Um, Again, if you're going to nurse or or you need the restroom, just be very careful um, on that plastic. Sunday school, unfortunately, um, is is not happening. Um, They're not feeling well. And so sorry about that, children. Um, I I ask that God to help us as well. Um, Also, just continue to uh, um, be in prayer. We need God to supernaturally move upon this place, asking God to uh, uh move uh, uh upon us with his spirit move upon salvation for uh many backsliders amen how many of us know that our world is in a crazy time you know jesus talked about there being wars and rumors of wars and these are things are to come and take place and again the end is not yet these are the birth pains right these are the things that you and i will are are seeing right now um I don't know about you but I, I I listened to a little bit of the news and I heard you know that there are uh there's the thought of entering into the war right if you uh, apply uh a no fly zone all this stuff and so we know that right now Russia in, is in war with Ukraine and now it's talked about that they're trying to draw in the US and all these other nations right so these are wars and rumors of wars we're in this time. And so it's something that you and I should understand. It's exciting as a Christian, right? Because it shows you and I like, man, Jesus wasn't playing. Jesus wasn't just talking about it. This is real stuff, right? This is really happening before our eyes. But what was the hope after all these things? Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody. Somebody's got to be excited with me this morning because Jesus is coming back and all of these things are taking place. And so this morning, I really do pray that all of us would get this in our brain. That has nothing to do with my sermon. Amen. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Okay? (laughs) Now, this has everything to do with my sermon. Okay? On April 3rd, 1977, uh, few people knew about a place called Tenerife. It is actually a location in the Canary Islands. But on a certain day, a little airport, uh, two 747s collided on the runway. The accident left 575 people dead. Thousands mourning in Tenerife at the local point, and, and the world had its attention on this little uh, little city. There were some questions about the tragedy why uh, that will probably never be answered but it was asked how did this happen why did this take place the airport was crowded uh, because the main airport in uh, at las Palmas had been closed due to a bombing as a result these two 4- 747s had to take this runway rather than the uh, the big airport but the Day was a foggy day and the two pilots could not see one another. But uh, for some uh, inexplainable reason, the pilot began to take off without clearance from the control tower. Obviously, he thought he was doing the right thing, but he was not. The other plane was on his way and unable to avoid it. As a result, hundreds of people were killed. Every pilot in the, As a pilot, every pilot is taught one very basic lesson at the beginning of his training. In air traffic control zone, you do not do what seems best in your own eyes. You don't do what is best in your own eyes. You do what the control tower tells you to do. The controller knows what you don't know. He has better information. He has better viewpoints that you can't see. Why? Because he is in a a place of safety and he's able to look out for our safety. How many of us understand this story obviously has a number of things that we can look at, but how many of us understand that we live in a world of people doing what's best in their own eyes? We live in a world that is doing best, uh, doing what's best in their own eyes. I heard, I was reading on, on the war in Ukraine, and, and they say Putin just wants to go in, and he wants to reshape Europe. And basically what he's saying is, I want to do what's best in my own eyes. He's going in, other than that, there's, there's no reason for him to be invading. Right. Again, we'll leave that for another time. But this is exactly what is tempting our world today is for every single one of us in this place to do what's right in our own eyes. The world is telling you and I to do what's right in our own eyes. Right. This passage that we're going to read is very difficult. One, It really is. And I'm going to have to just ask you to beware um, if you want to It covered the kids' ears because this is one of those stories in our Bible that is hard but is necessary for us to understand. God is a God that sees all that is taking place, and he even sees when we react in our own eyes. We're going to read it together, okay, church, and you'll understand. Again, I'm just giving you a caution. I'm not going to turn away from the Scripture because how many of us understand there's no point in turning away from the Scripture just because it's hard? Okay. We need to stay true to the Bible, what it says. And so, if you could just be very, uh, uh, forgiving, it needs to be preached. Amen. And then you allow God to minister to your heart, my heart. And we're going to ask God to move in this place. So, uh, we're going to turn to judges. Uh, sorry. I should have been there already in my Bible, but I'm not. And so, if you guys are there, say amen. Hey, hallelujah. You guys are good. You know, that's why, that's, uh, Easy, you guys are easy to to get a hold of and you guys are able to be there. Now I'm all confused, amen. Here we go. Here we go. Judges chapter 20. We're gonna ask God to minister to our hearts. I don't want to read the whole thing because it is very lengthy, but I'm going to pick up right here. We're gonna look in the scripture and we're going to... Uh, I believe God to help us. And it's going, uh, let me just make sure I, I choose the right spot for us. Amen. And so, okay, we're going to go to verse twenty, uh, verse 37. No, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Verse Dang, I'm all over the place. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, so the scripture is actually going to be in uh, Judges 19. Sorry, Judges 20 got something else to say. But verses 19, uh, uh, chapter 19 is where we're going to look at. Okay, and then I'm going to read real quick. And we're going to ask God to help us real quick as well. Uh, Listen to uh, uh, verse 22, uh, Judges 19, verse 22. It says these words. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man saying, bring out the men who came to your house that we may know him carnally but the man the master of the house went out to them and said to them my no my brethren i beg you do not act so wickedly seeing this man uh seeing this uh man has come into my house do not commit this outrage look here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine let's uh let me bring them out now humble them uh, humble them bring and do with them as you please but this But to this man, do not do such a vile thing but the men would not heed him so the man took his concubine and brought her out to them and then and they knew her and abused her all night until morning and when the day began to break they let her go then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light when her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way there was his concubine fallen at the door of the house and her hands on the threshold and he said to her get up let us be going but there was no answer so the man lifted her into the onto the donkey and the man got up and went to his place when he entered his house he took a knife laid hold of his concubine divided her into 12 pieces limb by limb and sent her throughout all the territory of israel and so it was that all who saw it said no such deed has been done or seen from this day that the children of israel came up from the land of egypt until this day consider it confer uh, confer and speak up let's pray real quick lord we thank you for your word we thank you for what you are trying to remove us lord god i ask right now lord god that every heart in this place would be open and lord help us to you out help us to understand that you are in control of all things and that even of our lives lord god you are directing the steps help us not to do our own thing lord god help us not to live and be wise in our own eyes but let us seek you and let us grow closer to you in jesus name we pray amen in our story this is a very difficult story again but i want us to understand something this story reminds me of our society this story reminds me of the immorality of our lives of our society every single one of us have to understand in our scripture these men it called them perverted it called them perverted men that saw a older man come into the house of a of the Ephraimite and he basically came in and he was being hospitable but This is what took place that you and I must see. And so I want to minister a message that I've entitled, In Your Own Eyes. And so many of us here have to consider these thoughts because how many of us know that we have a human freedom, right? We have human freedom. We get to make choices. We get to do things that are, uh, again, what we say benefiting us or that can actually hinder us. But everything you and I do is a choice that you get to make. You get to make it, right? God gives you that free will to do that. He gives you a human freedom. But every one of us have to link this story to our lives because the reality is if we're left to ourselves, we can do some wicked things, can't we? We can do some crazy, wicked things. In our story, it begins with a young concubine And I didn't read it for us in this time, but you can begin to read it for yourself. I'll just kind of try to give you an overview of the whole story, okay? There is a Levite, and and he has this concubine. A concubine is kind of like a second-class wife. And so she's either a slave to this man or she's a servant to this man. And so she herself was unfaithful, and she left the man. She left the man and she went back to her father's house and she goes to her father's house in Bethlehem. She was there for about four months and the husband realizes she's not coming back. I need to go get her. And so he's going to go get her. And as he's getting her, the the father of this concubine realizes this is a good thing. They start to celebrate the fact that he came back for her. He stays there a couple of days. He's excited, you know. But now they're on their way back. They're making their journey back to the old man's house or to the husband's house. And as they're making their way back, this was a custom is that when they had no place to stay, because they didn't have holiday inns, right? They didn't have all these nice uh, hotels. So when they needed a place to stay, they would enter into the city square. It's like going downtown Grand Junction. And when you don't have a place to stay, you go downtown Grand Junction and somebody would see you there and they would say, hey, you're a foreigner. How about you stay at my house? They would bring you in. And so this is what has happened. This man uh, is going into the city square. He goes into uh, Benjamin uh, or he, go in, he goes into Gibeah and he's there and he goes into the town square. A man comes because nobody else would show him hospitality. A man comes, picks him up and he takes him to his house as they're celebrating, as they are rejoicing, as they are joining together in fellowship. The men of that city see him they began to go to that house they knock on the door hey we know you have a guest in there we know he's in there let us in but see this is the wickedness of us being left to ourselves let me tell you what Judges 17 says real quick, and I'll show you this is exactly the heart of the people. Judges 17 verse 6 says, In those days there was no king of Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Again, in Judges 21 verse 25, it says the exact same thing. So when you looked at this story, you realize there was no king, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Right? So now back to our story. You have these men who come to this older man's house to get their uh, visitor. And they say they want to do what? They want to be carnal with them. What that means is they want to do sexual acts with them. They want to do sexual acts with, these men, with with this man. All these men are surrounding the house to do sexual acts with this other man. I'm not the one that said homosexuality is wrong. The word of God has said this. Right. People have been offended because we preach this and they ask, well, you're just a bigot, you're narrow minded. You have no ability to grow. I'm not here to try to conform to the world. In the word of God, it says be transformed, right? Not conformed. And so I'm not being a bigot. God loves these people. I know that. But he hates their sin, just like he hated mine. He hates their sin. And you see in these accounts, this is what happens. You tell me, does God look at this and say it's okay? You and I said it's in the word of God. So does it mean it's okay? I believe God puts things like this in our Bibles and in the word of God to show us the wickedness of hearts, to show us how bad and vile we can be if we're left to ourselves. In this point, these men have come and they say we want to know this man carnally. You know what is the second offense here? Is what the man does. Right? No, 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 no. Don't do this, my brothers. Don't do this, my brethren. Here's my daughter and here's my uh, the man's concubine. You know what he's doing? He's being a coward. How many of us understand we need men to stand up and fight? This man right here says, no, 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 we're stepping back. But here, don't do this to them. Here's my daughter and here's a concubine. So often our world is full of men that are cowards. I'm just going to be calling you out for what it is. This morning you thought we were preaching on love and grace. No doubt those are important. But we need stuff like this to remind us this is the truth. This is reality. I forget where it was. I think it was in New York where there was a young lady on a train and she's just going home and in public she begins to be raped by this other man and nobody stopped him. No bystanders intervened. All kinds of men were there and they just looked on and didn't do nothing. Is that what we're called to do, church? Men of this church, are we called to just go and look on uh, by, you know, just pass by, don't say nothing? There's a fight? I don't know about you, but we're not cowards. We can't be cowards. And that's what this man was. He was a coward. He didn't want to go and face these men and, you know, hey, you trying to come against my house. I don't know about you, but like somebody's coming against my house. I'm going to defend it. Amen. And so I hope you would say, yeah, me too. Because the reality is the world that we live in, it can happen. Right In the world that we can live in, we can see the wickedness of people. And so we see that this is what's happening right now. And yes, the terrible news is that this man was a coward. And what truly happens was a very, very evil thing. He throws his concubine out. They rape her all nights, is what the scripture tells us. When she gets done, they take her to the master's house. In the front of his door, she's just right there in the in the, the place where she herself is probably going to find straight. and she dies. She dies right there. The man comes out, says, "Come on, let's go." She's dead, right? She's dead at this point. And as she's dead at this point, the man gets full of revenge. This is this this is important. Because this leads me to the second thought of this point is when we see the evilness of our world and we see the actions that we take and a lot of the times when something happens to us, what do we revert to? Revenge, right? We go to revenge and that's exactly what happened. This man picks up this woman's body and he begins to carry it home. He cuts it into 12 parts and he begins to send it to the 12 tribes of Israel. Why did he do this? Well, in our scripture, it says, consider it, confer, and speak up. What he's saying is, I need you to get involved here. We need to do a revenge on what? On Gibeah. If you know what Gibeah is, you know that it's the tribe of Benjamin. Who's Benjamin? He's the youngest son. He's the last tribe of the children of Israel. And what does this mean? it means that right here the other 11 tribes are going to come against the 12th tribe they're going to come against the the, the 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 their youngest brother we see why this is important because how many of us understand in our revenge we hurt even those who are close to us We hurt those who are a part of our family. We hurt those who are supposed to be a part of our tribe. We hurt them because why? You hurt me. You hurt me. Listen to what this... Uh, goes on to say is basically uh, this nation saw this horrible act it should have never been done that's where verse 20 or uh, chapter 20 comes in okay that's where this comes in I, i'm not going to read it for you but i'm just going to give you a couple of numbers and thoughts okay but this nation saw the bloody evidence right they got that piece of that woman and all of a sudden they said this is a horrible act and they were moved with revenge revenge is the deadliest business you and i will ever be a part of in a story that I read, uh, I I don't I've never seen this show, so you got to forgive me. But maybe you have. It's uh, the show is Amos and Andy show, and Andy is there's a scene there where Andy is being terrorized by this big man, and this big man would slap him on the chest. Finally, Andy said, "You know what? I can't take this no more. You're going to stop hitting me in the chest." So you know, in his thought, you know what? I got to fix for this. I'll put a stick of dynamite on my chest and the next time he slaps me, it's going to blow his hand off. How many of us understand? If he does that, it's not only going to blow his hand off, it's going to kill him. Right? How many of us understand? That's how revenge works. Is that not only is it going to hurt somebody else, it's going to kill you. Revenge does not only affect the one that you're going after, it affects you too. So often you and I are moved by revenge. Well, this is exactly what this man does. He said, we're going we're to get revenge on Gibeah. We're going to get revenge on Benjamin. We're going to make sure this man is cut off from all that God is doing. Well, you know, obviously they had no king at this point. They're doing what's right in their own eyes. But they're basically saying, we're going to cut him off. And this is the amazing part of what God's word basically guides us through. In the time of history, this is a time where they were desperately in need of God to reunite them. But yet their own selfish motives, their own selfish desires had separated them, the tribes of Israel. And so now, here we go. There is about to be a civil war that breaks out. A civil war. You know, it's amazing how this works, church. You can have a civil war in your home. You know that? because your spouse could hurt you you ever been hurt by your spouse anybody you know okay you guys are all good well i've been hurt by my spouse okay and so i've been hurt by my spouse and in my heart of hearts guess what it's a civil war now you hurt me oh come on now my wife can attest to this she'll play around with me but i always tell them if you're going to play around with me it's going to be 10 times worse it's going to be 10 times worse stop
0: We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks.
1: Wet wheelie in my, you know, she'll get her finger and do that. I'll do it like 10 times worse. I'm telling you, I won't stop. She'll she'll tickle me, right? I'm not ticklish. Anyways, uh, she, she'll tickle me, but I, I know she hates being tickled. So I'll tickle her 10 times worse, almost make her cry. You know, that's how bad I, okay, forgive me, okay? But that's exactly how we are, right? It's it's like a civil war, right? We, we you are, okay, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And it's going to be 10 times worse. You know what's sad about those civil wars and even in this story? Not once did they console God. Not once did they say, hey, what does God think? What does God want us to do? How about you? In your, in your civil war, in your, in your battle, in your efforts to get revenge, have you ever considered what God thinks? Come on now. Have you ever considered what God says? Well, they didn't. Instead, they did what was right in their own eyes. Listen to the three vows that they would make. Okay, I'm not going into the scripture. I mean, you could read it in the scripture. But I'm going to just give you an overview. And it says, no one will go until Gibeah is attacked or destroyed. That's the first vow, right? We're going to destroy Gibeah. We're going to attack it. The second vow was nobody is going to join against Gibeah or or anyone who does not join against Gibeah is going to be killed. So if you don't join this effort, you're going to die. And then the last one is no one will allow their daughters to marry a Benjamite. There is no more tribe of Benjamin. We're not going to keep this tribe of Benjamin going any longer. So they sent messengers to Benjamin demanding that these men be turned over. And all of a sudden, troops arise. 400,000 troops enter into this battle against 26,000 Benjamites. 400,000 Israelite children come against 26,000 Benjamites. See, we know that Benjamin was on the hill country, easy to defend, very easy to defend, hard to attack uh, the children of Israel. When they attacked that city, they lost 22,000 men right away, just that quick. But finally, they were able to break through and those 40,000 men or those 400,000 men minus the ones they lost ended up only leaving 600 Benjamites. They killed them all. 600 Benjamites were left. But this is the sad part. Is because in their revenge to kill the Benjamites, they realized what we're doing is we're messing with God. We're taking out one of God's tribes. And if we kill them all, that means we're going to have no younger brother anymore. And they said, all of a sudden to themselves, what am I doing? What am I doing? Have you ever thought to yourself, what are you doing in your revenge? Have you ever thought to yourself, what have I done in your revenge? I I, I know somebody can say amen. Come on now. I know it's cold outside. I know you guys want to be in your cozy blankets around the fireplace, but we need for God to speak to us right here because some of us right now are brewing in our revenge. We're brewing in how we can hurt somebody who hurt us. We're brewing in how we're going to get back at them. But I'm going to just give you this thought. Before you make any action, how about you consider God and how you're messing with Him. And I would hate for this to happen to you. What did I do? What did I just do? You know... It's amazing how this story kind of links to our world today. Because if you consider all these thoughts, you, you really do understand that the fact that all these things took place, they're very real. They're very wicked. They're very, uh, you know, they're gross is what it is. It's gross. What has taken place in this, uh, uh account that we read this morning. It's so gross. That you would think, man, I wouldn't even see that in a movie. I wouldn't even see that in the Hollywood. Like I could not picture this. But in the world war, in the real world, this is what's happening every day. People are being killed. People are being, uh, you know, grossly uh, hurt. People are being dealt with wickedly because so many people are doing what's right in their own eyes. You can read of kids, teenagers who wanted to go and party, who just wanted to play a video game, who just wanted to stay on their cell phone all night. But mom and dad said no. And in their heart of revenge, they would take matters into their own hands. Oh, you're not going to let me go with my friends? Well, then I'm done with you. And they would, in their heart of wickedness, kill their parents. You won't let me have a phone? Well, then I'll beat you up. I'll show you. Church, I I hope that we understand this is a reality of our world. This is the nature of sin. This is the nature of doing what's right in your own eyes. Pastor, what are you getting at? I'm getting at all of us are wicked in our own hearts. And when we are left to ourselves doing what's right in our own eyes, just like in Judges 19, we can do some wicked, wicked things. When I was younger, you know, didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I've shared stories before. But I would do things that would make me happy. All right? Things that would make me happy. And then I would realize down the road when I got saved, it wasn't making me happy at all. I just wanted somebody to feel what I was feeling. And let me just say this. When I... Was doing all my trouble. I was a young man who lost his dad at nine months old. So I didn't have nobody to guide me, lead me, or, or those who did lead me. They were all into gangs, all into that. So that stuff was cool to me. And so I was always taught, don't let nobody bully you. In our terms, don't let nobody punk you. Right? And nobody, don't let nobody do this to you. You're, you, you can't do that. You gotta stand up for yourself. Make sure nobody ever messes with you. So, you know, to defeat all of that, what I would do is I would be the aggressor, right? I'd be the aggressor, is I would be the one that says, you know what? Instead of somebody coming to hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. Instead of somebody bullying me, I'm going to bully them. And I began to do this throughout my life. And I always thought, you know, because my friends and my, you know, people around me, they're all excited. Ah, oh, man, that was cool. Good, good job, man. That's right, man, I'm cool. What's up? You know, you know I act like this, thinking I'm all bad. But every time I go home and nobody's around, man, that was probably pretty messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I used to have this kid, I used to tell him I was his friend. And as I told him I was his friend, I would only use him to get stuff. He would pay me to be his friend. You're my friend, buddy. You're my friend. Where's my money? I'm serious. This is stuff that I, you really did. If he would to give me the money, okay then, let's go to the restroom. Not only me, but there would be other people there waiting for him. I'll, I'll get it to you. It's stuff that I did in my wicked heart. And then I got saved. Jesus changed my life. And I realized all those things were wrong and I was wicked. I got to go to that friend and tell him sorry but he had already didn't want nothing to do with me but let me just tell you in his revenge he was coming to kill me Hey, we went to school I'm at school all of a sudden there's cops all in front of the school and we're like tripped out then we see this person and another person that we used to bully they're arrested we're like what happened what's going on they told. They pulled me into the office. They pulled all these other kids into the office. They said, today is your lucky day. I said, What's, what do you mean? So you were going to die today if we did not catch these kids. What are you talking about? We found a gun and a hit list. You were number two. I was shocked. In our stupidity, I thought that was pretty cool. I was on a hit list. When I got saved, I realized, God, you protected me. God you did this. When I was doing things in my own eyes, you still protected me. Imagine if he would have went through with it. We would have had a crazy story like this, huh? We would have had another crazy story as we have in our Bible. Oh, that's a difficult passage, pastor. How do you read that? It shows you without a king, we'll do some crazy things. But thank you, Jesus, that you yourself want to reign in our heart and be our king. You don't have to do this on your own, church. You don't have to do your own thing, church. You don't have to do things in your own eyes, church. Why? Because Jesus Christ himself wants to reign in our hearts and be our king. And when we can do that, what happens is that you and I will begin to experience a whole new life. And a whole new guidance where you want to take revenge. You hear scriptures as uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, where you say, hey, God, I have to give you this so that you can take care of that, right? So many marriages could be saved. So many people's lives can be saved if we would only listen to the voice of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I don't have to take this into my own hands. But I do want to draw some important points off of this scripture. As, as ugly as this scripture is, as uncomfortable as this scripture is, it really does give us some important lessons on why God is needed in our life, okay? Because this is, this is what it's all about. And again, if you miss everything else and you get this, that's what's important. Is, is God's word, it gives us the ability to survive in this wicked world. It gives us the ability to survive in a society that has no standards, that has no uh, moral concern, has nothing in its mind except evil continuously. I believe that this word of God gives us the the ability to survive. Number one is the basis of moral behavior is important. How many of us understand that the way you act, the way you present yourself, the way you go into your community, if you don't have any standard of morality, if you don't care of what God's word says, how many of us understand if you have none of that in your heart, then you don't care what this world is going to turn into. But if you do, then you realize I can't act a certain way. I'm not going to do certain things. I'm going to be holy as God has called me to be holy. Oh, but pastor, I fail all the time. Don't we all? But your goal is to be as morally correct as possible. I was talking to a sister this weekend, and they were asking me the question. They asked me the question, you know, is, is basically, is it wrong for me to stand by the word of God when people began to say, you're judging. You're just being judgmental. You're just being judgmental, this on that. And I said, it's probably very important that you do stick to the word of God. You know why? Because the world will always tell you you're being judgmental. They'll always say that you're just being, uh, 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 who made you judge? Who made you the jury? Who made you the one that gets to be the final ruling? Church, you do understand. You have to stand for something, right? You do have to stand for your convictions. If you don't have convictions, then you'll give in to anything, right? There's a quote that says that very thought is if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. You'll fall for everything. And if you and I don't stand up to the wickedness that's going around us, even in the church, then you and I will fall for it. I'm not here to bash nobody's church. I'm not here to bash any other religion. I'm just telling you right now, the word of God is what we need to stay true to. If it says things are wrong, they're wrong. If they say homosexuality is wrong, the word of God says it, then we should stick to it. If it says that you and I should not be uh, having sex out of wedlock, then we should probably stick to it, right? If you and I would just stick to the word of God and have a moral compass that gives us a reason to stand, then you and I will see our world transform. But because nobody has that moral behavior or compass or, or it's not important, people do whatever they want. <clears throat> Let me just say moral behavior is not grounded on, uh, on God's word alone, but You know what's right. There's some things that you know in your heart of heart is right. And he who knows to do right and doesn't do it, it is sin. You and I need to make sure that you and I know what is right and what is wrong. We need to know the importance of what is good and what is evil. How do you know all these things? Again, you could use the word of God. That's a great place to begin. But you know, There are some right things and wrong things because inside of your heart, you feel it, right? You know that's wrong, right? Let me just say this, give you an example. You are the temple of God, okay? If anyone destroys this temple, God says what? I'm gonna destroy you. That's what he says, okay? All of us can agree with that. Let me just say this. God's word doesn't say don't smoke, (laughs) okay? Right, it doesn't say that in the word of God. But you understand something, right? I'm destroying God's temple. That is something that I know in my heart of hearts. I am destroying the temple of God. What does God's word say? I will destroy you, right? Okay. Again, if you're, if you're newly saved, you're serving Jesus, you're getting on your way. Don't get all vexed about this. What I'm saying is it should be our hearts to know what's right and what's wrong and begin to work these things out. In our story, they had no right or wrong. They had no ability, no conviction to say, this is wrong, what we're about to do to this man. This is wrong, what we've done to this woman. They had none of that. It's because they had no king. A second thing that it shows us is that In our world, they're trying to uh, uh, basically degrade the standard of God. They're trying to make downplay the standard of God. Somebody has always fought against the word of God. Take Bibles out of school. We've seen how that's affected our schools. We see that they want nothing to do with God. Take Bibles out of every office. Let's take Bibles. Let's take prayer. Let's do all of this so that we can't judge what is right and wrong. They're always trying to degrade the standard of God. Second Peter 2.19 is a good place for you and I to turn when it says, it basically is declaring to you and I a hope. It's declaring to you and I the necessities of being spiritual, amen. And so many times we don't really consider these things because we're so caught up in the world and they're degrading of god's standard it says these words while they promise them liberty they themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome by him also he is brought in to bondage what is it talking about false teachers who lower the standard of god you don't have to live morally correct you don't have to live good or or good and according to god's word just do what's right in your eyes So many people don't want to hear what the word of God says. I've I've come to know this, know this as a pastor is when you start to counsel people, pastor, I, I know what the word of God says. Well, what do you want me to tell you? Like, I'm only going to go off of what the word of God says. I'm not going to give you my opinion because my opinion doesn't matter. It's what God says. How many of us understand that's how we should approach our lives? is don't go and say what your standard is. Don't say what your thoughts are. Go off of what the Word of God says. Our society needs to go off of what the Word of God says. Again, I'm going to try to move quickly, sorry. Your belief in God and your morality cannot be separated is the third thing that you look at. You can't just say that you believe in God and then live a whole different life. You can't. There's no way it works. If you are a believer in God and you are a man of God, then you are saying, I dedicate my life to you. I sanctify myself. I consecrate myself to you. I'm not just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what you call me to do. I'm not going to live the way I want to live. Why? Because I'm going to live according to you, God. Hollywood producers, rock musicians, All these publishers in the the world, they will always tell you what's right. They'll always tell you what's wrong. It's wrong for you to call out sin. You're just being a hater. But you know what? God's word says, no, it's important for you and I to judge ourselves and to also see fruit for what it is. You'll know them by their fruit, will not you? Whether they are of God or not. So let me just close with this thought. There are three facts that ought to guide every Christian through this fog that we're in in the world. Excuse me. Our God is a holy God who has absolute standards of right and wrong. He is the Father who loves His children and wants the very best for every one of us. That's one. The second thing is God has revealed Himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Apart from him, you and I cannot have eternal life and we can't have eternal life in any other fashion except through Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. So many people say, no, 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 there's so many ways to heaven. No, there's not. One way. If somebody argues and you start to argue over that fact, then you just turn to your word of God and you'll see Jesus says this. Not me. I didn't say this. Jesus himself says there is no other way to the Father except through him. That's why when you hear people say, well, I believe in Buddha, I believe in Muhammad, I believe in this and I believe in that. Jesus says right here, he's the only one that has ever said this because he is the son of God. No other way. You can't say that there is another way. The other, the, the, the third thing is to guide us is his spoken word. The word of God. Scripture is absolutely reliable. You can read the word of God and it's amazing how when you read the word of God, it pertains to today. It 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 pertains to a a particular thing that you're going through. Why? Because the word of God is what? Sharper than, it's alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce the heart and bones and marrow. It is able to divide those things, as Hebrews 4.12 says. So that means you and I are going to have to steer through the moral fog of this world. If you and I look back at those scriptures in Judges 21, Judges 17, and, and then our account, of course, you'll realize we're doing things in our own eyes. We're doing everything in our own eyes. This is the wickedness of doing things in your own eyes. But one thing that you and I must remember is that when we begin to seek God and we begin to deliberately and and, and diligently seek God, He is going to help us through this moral fog. Maybe you have a family member that always argues with you. right? They're always arguing with you about the Word of God. Oh, man wrote the Word of God. They can change it to whatever they want to say, right? And they'll argue with you about, well, that was for then and not now. It's amazing that when you begin to say, okay, well, then let's look at the scripture. They'll say, I don't want to do that. You know why? Because they don't want to hear the truth. And I'm going to tell every one of us this evening or this morning, sorry, is that when we put ourselves aside, and we allow God to guide us. He's going to guide us directly into his perfect will, his perfect plan, and his perfect de- decision making. When I want to take revenge, he's going to guide us. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm telling you. The Holy Spirit gets a hold of us. Oh, but Lord, I just want to give him a black eye. God's spirit says, no, 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 son. Don't do it. Don't do it. I really thought this account was very, again, it's very hard to listen to this account because when you're trying to share this with people, some people are like, man, that's wicked. Like, that's God's people. Yeah. Who turned away from their God. Look around you, church. There are many people that have wicked hearts and have been doing things. You can be like, man, that's crazy. That's wicked. How many people have turned from God? How many people... Have never turned to God, and they've done it their own way. The lesson I believe that is most profound is obviously in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and I I believe this is what it all comes down to. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, obviously, very familiar portion of scripture, but I believe this is really what it comes down to, and this is what's going to help us get through everything that we're going through. And if our world would do this as well as us, uh, us first, we'll see a transformation. Listen to what it says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such so, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith whom from the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. If you and I would turn away from the sin that so easily ensnares us and we would continue on the race to Jesus Christ, I believe our world would be fixed. I believe that the moral fog that is on our world would be transformed. You and I can declare all day what we would like to see. You know, that's why we preach the gospel. Amen? You know, that's why we preach the gospel. That's why we go out into our community. It's not because we're going to save everybody. The reality is we're not. But we're going to save one, I pray. I pray that we save somebody, right? Again, it's not us. It's we're inviting them to know Jesus right? Where somebody invited you to come to know Jesus, right? And that's exactly what happened for me. Somebody invited me to come to know Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus began to transform my life. I want you to raise your hand, okay? We're going to close right here. But only if it's true. Raise your hand, okay? How many of us in here are perfect? Hallelujah. Man, I'm in the right crowd then. Okay. None of us are perfect, so all of us needed a savior, didn't we? And so many people are still in need of a savior. And this is the point, church, is that so often we can get caught up doing things in our own eyes, but yet we're not looking to God and therefore we aren't going to see any other savior, uh, any other sinner saved. And therefore, they look at you, they look at me and they say, well, what's the difference? You do what's right in your own eyes. Why should I have to change? That's not okay. We're saying this morning, God, you're a holy God. And I want to be a holy Christian as best as I can. I'm going to live for you. You gave your son, Jesus Christ, so that I can have eternal life, that I can be set apart. And you did not leave me an orphan. You gave me your Holy Spirit and you've given me your guidance through your word. I am deciding this morning I'm going to stop doing what's right in my own eyes. And I'm going to live according to your ways. I know that there are going to be question marks that you read in your Bible. You know what? Take them to God. And then if God answers you, hallelujah, right? He speaks to you. He's going to. But if you still have questions after that, that's what the church is for. That's what the pastor's here to help you and, and guide you. What does this mean, pastor? What does that mean? I am not I'm not going to act like I know everything because I don't but we're going to listen and hear for God to help us through this. Those two planes, 747s that crashed, it was all because of the fog, and they did not listen to the control. I wonder how many lives have been destroyed in this life, this morning, here in this place, because they are going through the fog without listening to the controller. I wonder how many of us are doing that. Well, This morning, let's not leave that way. Let's ask God, give us clarity of mind and let us seek you out how to deal with all these things. Let it not be just by revenge, Lord, because I know what will happen. But let it be by your guidance and by your help. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed just for a second. Sorry for taking up your time. We're going to believe God to help us in this altar.